Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our next-gen pastor, Myron Jellison, for this week's message. So, Tanya and I met in the WVU Marching Band in 1995, and we were married in 1997 in Wheeling, West Virginia. Um, took a 15-year Midwest tour uh, on our one-year anniversary, uh, but came back to Wheeling, West Virginia in 2013 with three kids, and uh, just felt like totally different people. <laughs> yeah. I think to accept somebody means that you you take them for everything that they are, the good, the bad, uh, whatever they may bring with them. Um, you love them just as Christ loves them because when you think about it, um, Christ loves us and he loves them identically. I think accepting people is loving them, um, wanting what's best for them, and uh, not judging. You know, God loves us, even though we have our differences and we have our faults and our failures, but He loves us anyway. So I think He expects us to love people. What motivates you to be hospitable? God's Word motivates me to be hospitable. Um, His Word tells us to love one another, encourage one another, be kind to one another, show hospitality to one another. I mean, I think that um, being hospitable is really um, about, you know, one heart caring for another person's heart. If I know someone that's um, having a hard time, then you can just stop and pray with them, talk with them, invite them over for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. There's a difference between entertaining someone and being hospitable to someone in your home. And entertaining is about you trying to impress them when, you know, they come to your home so that whenever they leave, they like, think you have it all together and, you know, things. But whenever you're being hospitable to someone, then it's really about them. And when they leave, you want them to feel that they've been encouraged and um, loved and cared for. Yeah. It's truly rewarding to be hospitable. Um, you know, your intention may be to bless others when you're hospitable, but a lot of times you're the one that gets blessed. Yeah, in this busy, busy world, it's, it's so easy to succumb to the rush of life. And I think just showing people and taking time to listen sometimes can be just a blessing to them and hospitable in and of itself. How's everybody doing? Welcome to my house. Welcome, welcome to my kitchen. I thought I would bring it to you today and uh, I'm going to be preparing some, some food for you. Now, lower your expectations. This is not Rachel Ray. Martha Stewart, you know, this isn't Hell's Kitchen. Gordon Ramsay's not going to come out here and ream me a new one when I burn these things, right? But hey, we're talking about hospitality today. 
And I wanted to give us an illustration. I wanted us to demonstrate and I want us to get an insight into what it means to do this. And I think hospitality is a spiritual discipline. I believe it is almost a requirement of the church, of Jesus' followers. If you are following Jesus, I see this in scripture as kind of a requirement. And I, and I believe that hospitality is one of the most powerful relationship builders that we have. Okay. I believe that when we open up our life, our time, our space, our heart, and we begin to let other people in, we really begin to form deep, authentic, and real relationships. Because people, they get to see who you really are. They get to see the real you. It's not fake. It's not, it's not, uh, it's just real. You're being honest. And I think we were all created for community. I believe that. I believe every single one of us were created and, and designed by God to live in fellowship, in community with friends, with one another. We say it around here at the Vineyard Church, all people need people. All people need people. And for you, it might just be one people because that's all you got time for and that's all the space that you got and that's just who you are. But I believe we all need people. That could be one, two, ten, fifteen doesn't matter, but we need that. And you were made to, to thrive in community. Not just simply have friends and engage in relationships. I believe you were meant to thrive inside of community, inside of relationships. And last week, we kicked off the series Peopling, which this Peopling series is all about people and how to have relationships and what relationships look like. And last week, Chris talked about how we pick friends, how we choose friends and choosing the right friends and allowing those friends to be influencers and kind of stacking our deck with the right people because it matters. It makes a huge difference in your life who you allow to be in your friend circle. But I walked away from last week's message going, well, okay, yeah, that's great. I get it. That's important. I need to do that. But how? Like, like I don't, I don't really have time for people. I, I don't necessarily have like more opportunities in which then I can invest in these types of people to, to help build and form those deep, authentic, real relationships. And I think the answer to that how question is hospitality. That practice, that discipline, that mindset, and a rhythm that we can build into our life called hospitality is the way in which we can begin to build and, and find those deep, intimate friends. So let's try this, okay? Let's try this today. I'm going to be whipping up some pancakes. I don't know about you, but pancakes are like my favorite. Breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. Uh, I was always told growing up that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And then there was some science that actually came out and kind of, you know, claimed that, yes, yeah, you know, breakfast is very important to your digestive health. And I also learned that breakfast literally means to break the fast, which is fascinating because we're fasting while we're sleeping. You're not eating unless you're like sleepwalking. That's just weird if you're eating in your sleep. Go to a doctor, you need to check that out. But you're sleeping, you're not eating, and when you wake up, you need to insert food into your body to help your metabolism, jumpstart it, jumpstart your digestive health, and just set the tone, I believe, for the rest of your day. So if you'd come over to my space, if you'd come intersect my life at my kitchen, and I'm up for cooking, this is what you're probably going to do. Now, one clarification I want to make. I think, I, think we struggle, I think we struggle with hospitality because we don't really have a, 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 the right definition or the right mindset or idea of what hospitality should actually look like. And I think one of the reasons we struggle is not time. It's not that we don't have time for people. Because if you're like me, I look at time like a unicorn. It doesn't exist. I do not have, I do not have spare time. 
my calendar is packed. Did I mention I have a wife who works at, the wheeling, at, at a hospital uh, as a nurse? I have two kids, a two-year-old and a six-month-old. Like, I work here. Like, I just don't seem to be able to find more time. So hospitality is not finding more time. I think there's a barrier that we face that's not time that I want to encourage us and walk through and have a conversation about so we can begin to implement this practice, overcome the obstacles and barriers so we can find true freedom in community, true relationships, authentic, real, that you were designed and you were meant for. So, and I believe this, this is a a fact that I, I want to say, I believe hospitality will change your world. I do. And I also believe that if we all did this, it would change the world. And we can look at Jesus in the early church in Acts through the New Testament and we see this model. And it blew up. And it was explosive and life transformational because we practiced, they practiced hospitality back then. I I came across a a TED Talk. You guys know what TED Talks are. They're just little, you know, snippets of positive encouragement and like really practical things in which you can implement. They're such good talks, okay. And there was a woman by the name of Bailey Parnell. She gave a talk about how social media affects your mental health. And so joining that conversation and listening to that, it was so fascinating and so true. Because I, I do believe that social media is having a huge impact on our mental health. I see this in teenagers. Okay, I used to work as the youth pastor here, and I'm still kind of involved with the teenagers. But Micah, he's our current youth pastor. They did, a, they did a series on depression, anxiety, uh, mental health, and they had like a conversation forum to where kids were, were able to share and write down questions and things that they are dealing with. And you wouldn't believe the amount of kids in our youth group here at the church involved that are dealing with this on a regular basis. You can read study after study and look at the research and begin to see that this younger generation, the suicide rate is higher, the depression rate is higher, anxiety is off the charts. And, and in this TED Talk, it talks about how social media is affecting our mental health. And the quote that she used that really it's not new to me. This quote's not new to me. It might not be new to you, but I think it sums everything up really well. She said and quoted that we compare, when we, when we look at social media, engage in social media, we begin to compare everybody else's highlight reel to our behind the scenes. We begin to compare everybody else's best. Because let's face it, when we post on social media, we don't post these awful, embarrassing, no makeup, sweatpants, hair tie, like we're not doing that. We're posting the best ones and, and brushing them a little bit and making them all nice and edited and look cool with the right filter and all of this stuff. And we post it and people see that and go, man, that, they look awesome. Look how cool their life is. Look how well put together they seem to be. Their family looks so cordial and like just so, oh, I'm just so jealous. But really what happens is that's just a stage photo that's not real. Because we compare that to the behind-our-scenes life and we realize that, you know what, my behind-the-scenes life doesn't match up. And I think what happens is it creates insecurity in us. It creates an insecurity in us when we begin to think and believe that we're not enough. What I have, who I am, my current life, it's not enough. It's not measuring up to what I'm seeing. These people taking vacations and two vacations a year and their family is so well put together and organized. And it's like, man, I just don't measure up and we become insecure. 
And I think that might be the thing in which we struggle with and causes us to not engage in hospitality. So I want to wage a war. I want to have a conversation and push back that lie that you are not enough, that this idea of comparison, other people's highlight reels to are behind the scenes, we have to dismiss that and begin to realize that what you have is enough. So social media, quick story for me, man. Like my, my wife loves Pinterest. And uh, what happens is she creates these boards on Pinterest of what a house should look like. And before long, I realize my house becomes those pictures. Um, I have to build things and decorate things and, and literally turn my house into that image that we have on Pinterest. And where this really hits home is when, uh, when she brings me a new recipe. She's like, hey, I want to try this recipe. I look at the picture on Pinterest and go, that's fake food. That's wax. There's no way. There's no way that when this thing comes out of the oven, it's going to look like this. Not a chance. Sure enough, we go through the recipe, follow it step by step, pull it out of the oven. It looks like a hot mess. And I'm like, I don't even know if we should eat this. Is this even going to be good? Should we share this with other people? And I'm, we become insecure about our, our food prep because we have this comparison of Pinterest of this perfection of what my food should, should look like. But I want to wage a war against this. And I want us to begin to invite people into our actual life, to your real life, not some manufactured, curated image that you're pursuing that we see in social media and the world's putting out there, but your actual life, how you live, how you cook, how you clean, everything about your life, let people in and see you. And I think two phrases, two words, four words total is the beginning of you doing this. And that's this, open up, be real. Just open up. And be real. Stop believing the lie. You have to have everything nice and neat and in order to perfection before you begin to share with the world and the people around you in your life who you really are. Our insecurity holds us back. And I believe this. The best thing that you can do for you is be you. The best thing you can do for you is be you. And I think the best thing that you can do for other people, one of the greatest gifts you have to offer somebody else is your actual life. Not some fake Instagram, Pinterest, comparison life, but your actual life. Hospitality is talked about a lot in the Bible. It, surprisingly, it's talked about a lot in the Bible. And it's this idea, this practice, this mindset, this lifestyle of opening up your life and your space and your time and your schedule. So that other people can interact with you with who you really are. And I believe that hospitality really is a requirement to be a Jesus follower. If you have given your life to Christ, following him, okay, I believe it's a requirement, not some expectation or not some like side characteristic. It's at the core of what it means to be a Jesus follower. We see this through the entire New Testament. So we as the church, okay, here today, we should be the most hospitable organization or the most hospitable group of people, the most hospitable gathering of individuals on the face of the planet. And I'm, I'm so proud of this church and I love this church because of this fact. No matter who you are walking through that door, age, race, gender, demographic, socioeconomic class, when you walk through that door, I believe you are welcomed, you are loved, you are known, and you are accepted. And I want to applaud this church for being a great example of what it means like to be hospitable. But hospitality isn't just on Sundays. Hospitality is a lifestyle. It's every single day of the week, you and I, as Jesus followers, in our actual life out there living this out. So today as we're gathered, I want to do some hospitality. So what we're going to do is I'm going to serve some of y'all pancakes. So let me just whip this up for you real quick. 
And what I want you to do in the meantime, I want you to talk amongst yourselves, grab somebody beside you, and share an experience or a story to where you had true hospitality in your life. So grab somebody beside you for 60 seconds. We'll put a timer up on the, on the clock. Talk amongst yourselves while I get this ready. Who wants some pancakes? Would you like some? Yeah, enjoy. Made just for you. Absolutely, just for you. Enjoy. I know you skipped breakfast this morning. It's going to be good for you. All right, 30 more seconds. Keep chatting. Keep talking about hospitality, where you've experienced this. A few more seconds, finish up here. All right, good. I hope that we all have a story. I hope every single one of us was able to share honestly of a time in which you experienced true hospitality in your life. Now, the people that got the pancakes, you know, make sure you like tweet, Instagram, those, take a picture, tag me. Best pancakes ever. You know, it's all about me here. Kidding. Enjoy them. I hope they're good. hope I didn't burn them for you. So I, I look at the early church, and I, I see Jesus here on earth. And I see over and over and over again in Scripture that it's talked about hospitality and what is it? What is it? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live this out? And practically, what does it look like in your, your life and in my life? And when Jesus was on earth, man, he was maybe the one, one of the most vulnerable, open, and real people. He told you, he, he said it like it was. He didn't hold back. He wasn't fake. He was truthful. He was honest. And he was social in community with people. And he was the greatest example. And he taught the early church to do this. And I believe the early church exemplified that. And man, it just exploded when we gathered in community and do and practice this lifestyle of hospitality. And the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans, uh, Apostle Paul wrote a good portion of the New Testament. He was also a church planner in all of these different areas. So he planted the church here in Rome, uh, and he's talking to the Christians, the Christ followers in Rome, in the book of Romans. And this is what he says in Romans 12. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I read this list that Paul writes down for the Jesus followers. And I just see characteristic and characteristic and characteristic and lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle in all of those things. Okay, love people, genuinely love people, pray, be patient in trouble, you know, um, don't grow weary, always be hopeful, okay. Those are, those are identifiers or marks on a Christian's life that we would expect to be there, wouldn't we? But then he puts at the end, practice hospitality is one that we might not automatically associate with Christianity. But I say, hey, Paul put it in the list for a reason. It's that big of a deal. This should be. A, a, a characteristic that marks your life, that identifies you as a Jesus follower by the way in which you exercise, practice, and implement hospitality into your life. 
It's not a one-off event, one time. It is every single day, a posture and a mindset. Practice hospitality. It's more than something that we just do at Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's or the Super Bowl or a birthday party. That's called parties. That's called gatherings. That's called entertaining people. And I don't think hospitality and entertainment are the same. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in a minute. But let's just be honest, this shouldn't happen one-off every now and then, infrequent, just around holidays or special occasions. Hospitality is daily. Lifestyle, walking it out, mindset, being like Jesus, opening up, letting your heart, your mind, your life, your time, your calendar, your schedule to be inclusive to other people in your life. And when we do this, man, when we do this, Deep, authentic, real relationships, I believe, begin to form. The who that you want in your life will become the people that you actually want in your life. Someone said it this way. Our homes and apartments should stand constantly ready for strategic hospitality. A readiness to welcome people who don't ordinarily live there. Your home, your apartment, is it standing ready strategically to welcome people who don't normally live there? Do not hear this and say, well, it's got to be clean and spotless and perfectly put together. That's not the strategic uh, mindset that I think that this guy was talking about. Are you ready with your heart and your mind? Is your life, is your home, is your space constantly, strategically ready for you to invest and care and love and serve people with what you've been given? I hope so. I hope so. And as I mentioned earlier, I think one of the reasons that we struggle with this it's not time. It's not time. You have time. It's insecurity. And this lie that we've been fed and social media has affected us is that we aren't enough. We aren't good enough. Who I am is not good enough. What I have, my home, my space, my things, is just not good enough. And that is a lie that I want to dispel and talk through and overcome so that we can begin to live this thing out the way in which we should live it out. What you have, where you live, and what you have to offer is an absolute blessing and a treasure to somebody that you're holding back. And if you would just open up and let them in, it would be beautiful. Because I think the best thing that you can do for somebody else, the greatest gift you may have is your actual life. Not some fake, manicured, curated, Pinterest, Instagram life that you're aspiring to have. Because guess what? You'll never have that. You'll never get there because no one's perfect. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect lives. But what you have to offer is special, it's powerful, it's transformational. And you're not too busy for people, but we spend too much time and energy, sadly, we spend too much time and energy trying to make our life presentable enough. And that's when we run out of time. Because we never get to where we think we need to be. Because we bought the lie that you're not enough, but you are enough. And when you let people in to see the dishes in your sink, the dishevelment maybe of your living space, that you don't have it all put together, man... It's powerful. And I believe it doesn't create, when we do this and let people in and see us for who we really are, authentic and genuine, it's not going to create shallow and judgmental relationships. If it does, they aren't the people you really want in your friend circle anyhow. But when those people come in and see that and go, oh man, you're normal. You're just like me. You don't have it all figured out. We can be friends. It's disarming. And people really can connect with that if you were just a real and open up. I have house envy. Does anybody else have house envy? I have house envy a lot. 
I watch HGTV. Not, I don't watch it a lot. Like, like we don't even have TV. But when I do see HGTV and, and the stream home makeovers and these massive, incredible spaces, I'm like, man, if I just had that space, I would totally have people over more often. Look at this. Look at that deck. Look at that backyard. Look at that pool. Look at this furniture. Look how big the space is. Feels ho- uh, cozy and homey. Like, yeah, obviously. So I have this house envy. And I think some of us probably have that house envy too. We've bought the HGTV lie that you have to have granite, can- granite, granite, granite countertops, immaculate floors, Great decor, a house of a certain size, an entertaining space out back. We've bought that lie. And we think that what I have isn't good enough. What I have doesn't measure up. But what God has taught me, and even though I have house envy and I have to, I have to work through that, that's between me and the Lord, you know, is that what he's given me, the space that I have, the life that he has blessed me with is way more than enough. And I should be giving it away to other people. And I think God has wired me a little bit with, with hospitality as one of, my, one of my giftings. But I have a propensity to sway in the entertainment side of throwing a banger, throwing a party, and impressing the heck out of people. Like, yeah, look at me, you know. Like I fight that desire and God's teaching me, hey, man, it's not about you. It's not about you, Myron. It's about what I'm doing in your life that you can begin to share with other people. You can begin to bring Christ to them, the love of Christ to them, the relationship of Christ to them just by opening up your life and being hospitable. So if I said I was coming to your house after service, how many of you would be freaking out? All of us, right? I'd be freaking out too if you all said you was coming to my house, but hold up, we can't fit, slow down. But if just some of you were going to come to my house afterwards, I would be freaking out. I'd be calling my wife, hey, are we good? What's up? Like, what do I got to do? You know, like tie the dog up. I'm not sure what we got to do. I'd be freaking out. But I thought, since we can't go to each other's houses right now, I can bring my house to you. So I brought you my makeshift kitchen to make you some pancakes. And I'm going to bring you some pictures of my home. So here's the first one. When you would walk in my front door, this is what you would see in my home. I want you to notice the basketball hoop on the left. I am dunking on my two-year-old all day with that thing. It's a blast. We got toys in the living room. We have bags on the cedar chest. There's shoes just not put away by the door. And go to the next photo. You can see my living room a little bit better there. My dog in the middle there is shredding a rope. Like shredding it to pieces. And there will just be pieces of this thing everywhere. She's got these sharp nylon bones that she's chewed up. And it's got real jagged edges. And you know, like, it'll cut your foot if you step on it. That's kind of scattered. Did I mention I have a wife that works? I have two kids, a two-year-old and a six-month-old. And this is my house most of the time. Next photo is my, my dining room. Okay. This is actually a good picture of my dining room. Right? This is actually, this is like, oh, okay, it doesn't look too bad. But let me just be real for a second. We, we, uh, we're part of a Christian bill share, um, like for our health care. And so basically we now have to play the administrative side of the insurance company. So we have to manage the bills and the itemized bills and the forms and submit them. And it's like a four-month repayment, reimbursement process. It takes a while. And we went through a spell where we had an ER visit for my daughter, high fever. My wife was pregnant, so she had those maternity needs. And then we actually had the baby. And all of these bills are, are backing up. And we still aren't, you know, receiving our, our repayment yet. And so there's just literally a horseshoe of documents and papers around my entire dining room table. It was neat. It was organized. We had a process. But, man, if you'd have walked in, you'd be like, oh, wow, what's going on here? But that's us. That's our life. That's who we are. We're being real. My kitchen. Check this out. 
kitchen. There's some dishes in the sink. There's a pizza box. It's like three days old. I don't know why it's still on the counter. <laughs> we had that like, we had that forever ago. There's probably still a piece of pizza in there. If you're hungry, grab it. Please don't. You'll probably get sick. Uh, the, the toaster needs to be put away. There's a bumbo seat on the counter. Don't judge us, okay? And that's our kitchen most days and most times, right? So, again, the lie that we have to have it all perfect and manufactured in order for people to come into our space is a lie. Because you might walk into my house and go, hey, you're just like me, man. Just like me. You're no different. You're just being real. Because when we think everything has to be in order, wow, we're missing out. We're being robbed of true, authentic, real, deep, meaningful community that I agree, that I believe that we were all made for. All people need people. You were made to thrive in community. And this is where it starts, opening up. Now, there's a difference between entertaining and hospitality. And I have to fight this, fight this propensity. And I just want to clarify a few things about entertaining and hospitality. Entertaining is focused on self. Hospitality it focuses on others. So when I get into my entertaining mood and I'm like, oh, let's do something cool, invite people over, I have to fight Myron. It's not about you. It's not about you and your space, and your house, and the food that you're going to make. It's going to be great. The pancakes were awesome. I'm sure they were. It's not about that. It's not about me. It's about other people. When they walk in, do they feel loved? Do they feel cared for? Do they feel accepted? Do they leave encouraged, motivated to be better and to go and, and take that mountain and overcome that struggle and persevere through that circumstance? It's not about them leaving impressed, which is my second point. Okay, hospitality seeks to impress people, but hospitality, or uh, entertainment seeks to impress people, but hospitality seeks to bless people. So it's not about them leaving and giving you a five-star rating or a level 10 experience to where they're like, yo, when the jellies get, have a get-together, you want to be on that list because it is awesome. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about when they leave, they feel blessed, they feel encouraged, they feel cared for, they feel loved, and they just feel like, Wow. You know me, and you cared for me, and you sacrificed for me, and you offered up as part of your life to me. Because guess what? You can't get back time. You can't get back time. You can get back money. You can get back food. You can get back other things. You cannot get back time. And when you let somebody take some of your time one evening to share a meal together, my goodness, it means something. It makes a difference. It leaves an impression that will last with them, I believe, forever. So it's not about you, it's about others. It's not seeking to impress, it's seeking to bless. And hospitality begins when we make our actual life accessible to people, Access, easily accessible to people. And I think when we have this mindset shift, when we have this lifestyle shift, because if, if you're a Jesus follower, you should have this, implement this, practice this. Some of us are stronger and gifted in this. Others of us are going to have to work at it very hard. And be very intentional about it. But it doesn't matter because when you realize that you are enough, what you have, your space, your place, your life, who you are is enough for people. It's a game changer in your life and I believe in the lives of other people. It's a game changer. You want real friends? Do this. You want true, authentic, meaningful relationships with another human being? Do this. Open up. Be real. Be you. Three practical things you can do to begin to build this spiritual discipline and this habit and this mindset. Number one is open up your calendar. Open up your calendar. Now, again, I mentioned spare time. I'm not talking about finding spare time in your calendar. That's a unicorn. Ain't going to happen. So it doesn't mean, I'm not saying add more things to your calendar. What I'm saying is invite people to things that are already on your calendar. 
right? One example for us is a birthday party. I mean, my wife's going to throw a birthday party for my kids, which is great. We should do that. But then invite people to it. It's going to happen. We're going to be at our house for six hours this day celebrating. Why don't you join? Not about adding things. It's about inviting people to things that already exist on your calendar. Another way, if you have a kid in sports, let's face it, you're going to that game, aren't you? So you might as well just ask somebody to come with you. Give them a hat, give them a t-shirt and say, hey, come sit beside me and help me yell at the refs. It'll be awesome. <laughs> right? Invite them into what you're already doing. My, man, here's the best example for you. The, the football season, NFL season, if you're a Steeler fan or whatever fan uh, that you are of a team, you're probably sitting on your couch eating wings, chips and guac, queso, hanging out, watching the game. Right? It's on your calendar. You're going to do it. Invite one person even. Open up your life and say, hey, man, you know, anytime the Steelers are playing, this is where I'm going to be, in my house, on my couch. You just show up. Just come on over and intersect your life with mine in rhythms that are already on my calendar. Second thing we need to do is open up your place. Open up your place. Let me just make a quick caveat clarification. Hospitality does not just mean happening in your home, okay? Although I'm going to say, and I believe the most powerful and transformational opportunity is inside your home. But if you don't have a home or your, your space just really isn't fit, whatever, go out with somebody. Go grab a coffee, a bagel, a muffin, a meal out somewhere. Pay for it if you can. Show them and serve them and love them and connect with them and do this thing. Hospitality, it doesn't necessarily mean your home. But I do want to encourage you that your space, your dorm room, your house, your apartment, your mansion, your flat, one, one bedroom studio apartment, whatever it is, you open that up, I think will be the most powerful and tangible way in which you can begin to connect and build deep, authentic real relationships. It's so, so important. Because when we do this in our space and let people come into our space, it is, it is a direct insight to behind the scenes. Because people can come over and my kid's crying and I'm yelling at them because they're being disrespectful or not obeying me. And they're like, well, yeah, I guess you don't have it all figured out. Your Instagram post would say you did have it figured out. But guess what? You ain't got it figured out. It's beautiful, it's powerful, it's transformational when people see your actual life. And your space, if it stands ready strategically to receive people who don't ordinarily live there, look out. Look out. So I do this, the, 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 the most tangible example and the best example I have for you is in my life with a guy named Ryan Proctor. He's, uh, he's downstairs in the tech room right now. He's one of my, I would say he's one of my best friends right now in my life. And what I did with Ryan, and this was like unintentional, it was just kind of who I am. I was like, hey, Ryan, guess what? Thursday nights, my wife works a midnight shift. Every Thursday night, she leaves the house at 6 p.m. to go work at the hospital for a midnight shift as a nurse. I said, Ryan, look, Thursday nights, 6 o'clock, guess where I'm going to be? In my house with my kids, chilling, hanging out every Thursday. So guess what? You are welcome anytime. Just come over. Hit me up. Last minute, come over. Plan it out, schedule it, come over. Thursday night, that's what I'm doing. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. My calendar and my space, I opened up to Ryan. And you know what? I believe that is why Ryan and I have such a deep, meaningful relationship. I can tell that guy anything. He can tell me anything. We, we pray, talk, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're just so real and open with each other. Because my space and my calendar had been opened up to him. And allowing space for that relationship to form. And it's not just with me. Okay? Ryan is a significant member of my family now. I mean, because 
literally my two-year-old daughter, Avalyn, and Ryan are besties. Like, I'm, like, literally, you see them together, they are besties. And what happens is when I, when I look at Avalyn, and it's Thursday, I don't think she knows the days of the week. But I say, hey, Avalyn, guess what? Ryan's coming over. Ryan! She freaks out. She's losing her mind. She's so excited. Ryan gets to the door. And the whole, the whole time when I tell her that Ryan's coming, she's like, is Ryan here? Is Ryan here? Is Ryan here? Knock, knock, knock. Ryan's here! She runs to the door, gives that man a huge hug, and just gabs his ear off, talking about her day and the dog and her brother and blah, blah, blah. And she's just incredible. And he's incredible with her. And I'm so, I'm so lucky to have another male role model who's following Christ, who loves Jesus with everything that he's got, speaking into my daughter's life. Building a connection and a relationship with her that I know is going to be so incredibly valued to have another male figure role model in her life teaching her and saying the same things that I'm trying to teach her. Because it's a little bit different when it's coming from dad, isn't it? But it's going to mean a lot more when it's coming from even somebody like, like Ryan to my daughter's life. And then this happened. I had another buddy, Stephen, who was going to come over. I said, hey, Evelyn, guess who's coming over? Ryan? I said, no, Stephen. She started crying, her lip welled up, her eyes, tears rolled down her face. Like, I promise, Ryan will come over next week, I promise. Like, she was so upset that Ryan wasn't coming over when I told her that guess who's coming over. It matters. It makes a huge difference when you open up your life, and not just your life, but your family's life will have blessing. And Ryan's life, that friend will have blessing. It's just good. It's so good. It's a treasure. It's a gem. So do it, hold on to it, and find it. Final thing, excuse me, is open up your life. Final thing is, so you open up your calendar, open up your space, open up your life. And this is where we really deal with the insecurity of I'm not enough. Okay? We open up our life and dismiss the lie that I'm not smart enough, I don't know enough, I'm not interesting enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I don't know enough Bible, I don't have it all figured out, my house is not nice enough, blah, 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 whatever it is. There's areas in your life personally and areas about your home and your place that you are ashamed of other people knew about. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus died on a cross so that you don't have to carry that shame and guilt and weight anymore, that you are enough. That anxiety and worry and all of those things, Jesus paid for that. He, he took care of that. And if you follow him and trust him and surrender your life to him, he'll take care of that. And that way you can be enough and you can feel like you're enough and you can know that you're enough because Jesus is going to tell you, you are enough. And everything that I've given you is enough. I have a friend, Emily Rudy. She's a college student. And I was meeting, I was doing a college Bible study with some students on Sunday nights. And we were having a conversation about money and like resources and being generous and stuff. And I looked at Emily and I said, do you realize that your money is not even yours? You could just see in her eyes like, what? Yeah, like your money is not even yours. And it finally clicked in her brain. She's like, oh my gosh, you're right. It's not even mine. The Bible tells us that we are stewards. We are managers of everything that God has given us. Your money, your, your house, your resources, your car, monetary stuff, material stuff is all a gift from him that we are to manage and manage well. And now Emily, Rudy, and I, we have a joke. Anytime we have this kind of conversation, she's like, hey, it's not even mine. doesn't matter. Not even mine. Not even mine. Not a big deal. Not even mine. And I want you to understand that what you have is enough. God's given it to you. And what you have is an opportunity to leverage everything at your disposal to be hospitable and bless somebody else's life to model Jesus Christ and the love into their life to where he may just be able to call them 
and they would put their life in Christ and their life would be radically transformed because your willingness to practice the spiritual discipline of hospitality, opening up, being real, being authentic, and modeling Christ to everybody else around you. Do not listen, and I repeat, to that voice. Do not listen to the voice that you are not enough. You are enough. Everything that you have is an opportunity to bless and leverage it for other people. And when those people come into our life and we really do open up and we become vulnerable, it doesn't create judgmental friendships. And if they're judging you, they don't, they, you don't want them in your circle anyhow. It's not the kind of people you're looking to run with. But when you, when you let people see the dishes in your sink and the dishevelment of your home and they come in and they go, oh, you're normal, it disarms them to the point of where they automatically have a connection with you. It disarms them. Grace is extended. You don't have it figured out. It's okay, me either. We're good. And there's a story, Jen Lewis, she's uh, on our teaching team here, one of the staff members here. She shared a, a story with me about when she opened up her home to be hospitable to a group of women. And one of those women's name was Cameron. Cameron's a good friend of mine. She's actually in my small group uh, right now with me. And Cameron was telling me her side of the story. And Jen was having some people over, invited some girls over. And Cameron was one of the people on the invite list. Cameron has this idea, this preconceived idea, notion of what the house is going to look like, what the night's going to be. And Cameron walks in the front door and goes, oh, you're like me. This house looks just like mine. There's some craziness. There's four kids and a husband. And, like, it's just busy and there's stuff. And there's deep red burgundy carpet and wood paneling walls. And there's wallpaper that's half ripped off in the kitchen and half still hanging. And Cameron's like, man, this, this, I feel right at home with this. And now Jen will tell you that that's not her ideal situation and setup and color choice and all that. But she does not let that deter her from opening up her space. It does not deter her from inviting people in. And Cameron would tell you from that moment, that, that, that gift of hospitality that she experienced motivated her to say, you know what, I can have people in my house now. I'm not ashamed. I'm not scared. I, I see the value in coming into this home and feeling so welcomed and loved and cared for that I can begin to do that in my life, in my home. And Cameron's doing that. And Cameron would tell you now that she has some incredible, deep, meaningful friends in this church because she took the step to open up her life and her home. One act of hospitality by Jen turned into another act of hospitality by Cameron. And I bet somebody in Cameron's life that came in and intersected Cameron's life is now doing the same thing, practicing hospitality, and this thing explodes and it grows and it matters. And I believe it will change your world. It will change your world. But if we all did this and do this and continually do this, I believe it will change the world. It will change Wheeling. It will change the Ohio Valley. It will change our state. It will change the United States. It could change the world because we will live differently, being marked by the way in which we exercise, implement, and practice hospitality. I look at the early church, man, and I see Jesus doing this, and I, and I see the early church doing this one relationship at a time, one table at a time, one house at a time, and it blew up. Now there's 2.2 billion Christians in the world, and I think we can begin to just keep growing and keep reaching people and keep spreading the gospel and love of Jesus Christ by our hospitality, opening up our life. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 20, and I just want to frame this up as we kind of wind down. It says this, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
We see Jesus come into earth saying, I'm not going to be served, I'm going to serve. And he did this unto death on a cross for you and I to be forgiven of our sin and be back in relationship with God, our Father, who created us. It's the gospel message in a synopsis, right? So Jesus was vulnerable. He was open. He was real. He let people see who he was, even to the point of being vulnerable and open on that cross to death so that you and I can sit around God's table. We then have an opportunity and a free invitation to be included at the dinner table with God in his family. One writer puts it this way. The ultimate act of hospitality was when Jesus Christ died for sinners to make everyone who believes a member of the household of God. We no longer are strangers. We have come home to God because everyone who trusts in Jesus finds a home in God. You could say, and we, I'm going to say that the greatest act of hospitality was Jesus' death on a cross, allowing you and I to be welcomed into God's family in relationship with God. He was a servant. Jesus was a servant. And he died so that he could show hospitality how big of a deal it is. Now, he's calling us to just sacrifice maybe 30 minutes at lunch to go get a coffee with somebody. He's asking us to maybe invite somebody over to your house when you're just hanging out and going to be there, letting them intersect your life. That's so small in comparison to what Christ did for you and I of an act of hospitality for us to be joined into his family. And I believe we can take steps, baby steps, one after another, a mindset, a lifestyle, a habit, a rhythm of doing this thing called hospitality that would be explosive once again in the movement of Jesus Christ and taking the gospel to our city. If we would just do this. Romans 12, Paul writes this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. God's mercy was death on a cross through his son Jesus Christ so that you and I could be reunited in his family. And he's asking us to be a living sacrifice, embodying and modeling that same sacrificial servanthood of letting people see us. Experience Christ through us, our genuine love and affection and community and connection to other individuals. Then I'm going to reread what we read in the beginning in Romans 12 where Paul wrote these characteristics of what would mark a Jesus follower's life. As we read this, do these mark your life. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't be fake. Don't be Instagram connected to people. Be truly connected to people in love. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Genuine. Be authentic. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Do these characteristics mark your life? And the final, the last one, hospitality, man. Do you want community? Real community. Because I think at the desire of every single human being's heart are these two things. I want to be known and I want to be loved. And I would ask you, are you known and are you loved? And if you're not, practice hospitality. Open up. Be you. Be real. And start to find the people that will become your community that you can thrive in to where you can be known and you can be loved. And when you do hospitality, you're communicating to the other person that you're known and that your love, I see you, I care for you, I'm encouraging you. And just know that your Father in Heaven is doing the same thing for you. That's what hospitality is. It's a mindset, it's a skill. 
We have to hone this, practice this, and do this so it becomes a habit in our life. You may be single, married, with kids, not kids, tons of kids, mansion, apartment, doesn't matter. Wherever you are in your life, start today to begin to open up and be real. No matter what your house looks like. I'm coming to your house, okay, if I'm coming to your house, and we walk in, and you're cleaning, and going, I'm so sorry, it doesn't usually look like this, that's a lie. Because I would guarantee that most of the time, if you're like me, my house looks like that majority of the time. Don't let perfection, having it all figured out, do not listen to the lies and the voices that says you're not enough. Begin to implement this and practice this and open up. And I challenge you today, as I go, I challenge you today. I think we all have 21 opportunities this week to practice hospitality. 21. And it's called breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Some of you are like, I don't do that breakfast thing. Okay, 14. Okay, 14. You have 14 chances and opportunities this week to seek somebody out, to make a connection, to be open, to be real, to share a meal with them. So do it. One. One out of 14. We can do this. Then next week, do it again. One out of 14. One out of 14. One out of 14. Because guess what? You're eating lunch, aren't you? You're eating dinner. You got to eat. So you might as well just open up your calendar and your time and your space to just let somebody join in with you. And man, the effects, the blessing, the outcome, and the possible transformation in that person's life and your life is incredible. We can't afford to not do this. Let's go be the most hospitable group of people on the face of the planet, changing Wheeling and the Ohio Valley by the way in which we love and serve and invite people into our lives. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that you love us, that you came after us, you died on a cross for us so that we can be back in relationship with God, sitting around his dinner table, fellowshipping in community with him. And God, I pray that you would just stir in our hearts and our minds and provide opportunities to where we can begin to express this hospitality. That we can begin to implement this into our life, that our mindset would shift and we would become some of the most loving and serving and hospitable people on the face of the planet. And thank you, Father, for what you're going to do through us and the way in which we love, include, and serve the people around us. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15, and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music, and so much more in person. We would love to meet you. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.